Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm talking with Kalpesh Patel, he's in Gainesville, Florida, getting ready to uh, absorb a, a storm, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it almost knocked uh, his lights out, but hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll make it through. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it either knocks our lights out or makes our flowers grow one way or the other. Yes. <laughs> one way or the other, it's a win. Yeah. And <laughs> the... Uh, uh, things we were talking about, we're talking about learning how to operate off your own feet as it really has to do with emotional intelligence, you know, because it's easy to keep your wits about you in tough situations, whatever, personal, business life, health life, financial life, if you have uh, figured out that just because you don't know something right now doesn't mean that you never can know just right. because you don't have that resource available right now. Yes. And if you've got tools, you've got some experience at figuring things out, finding people uh, that can give you that support or that information and yes. uh, start to unravel it. And you don't have to do it like within five minutes, you know, you right. just have to start right moving in that direction, you have a confidence and a stability, you know, this, in right. terms of emotional, uh, dependent, the people that are flying off the hand, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the people that are like uh, Will Smith jumping up in front and going up and slapping that big, dangerous Chris Rock, who weighs like 100 pounds. <laughs> Big man, you know, six two guy who played Muhammad Ali, you know, muscle bound. Will Smith goes up there, and this little skinny Chris Rock, you know, he slaps him. Oh, he really made a point. And that, you know, if you had a little bit, you know, you do things like that when you're on edge, and you're out of, you feel like you lost control. But the more systems you have, the more experience you've been with, the more tools for coping and finding things less like you are to fly off the uh, you know the hook and yes. i'm not i'm not down on will smith unfortunately he chose a really bad place he picked a bad uh, place yes he yeah. picked a real bad place however you know he's a big star you know so that's where that's the world he lives in and so uh i'm not saying that we're not you know uh any of us capable of that kind of thing if we get rattled or whatever but the more the more you systems you have the more experience you have in thinking on your feet and solving problems and unraveling it and yeah. get one and one point you make we're going to get into how you go about solving problems but uh letting people i think we need to elaborate on the concept of margin for error because I found the same thing in my career. You and I, we've never talked about margin for error, but I found the same thing that people will not. In other words, they build their schedule like they're never going to run late. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like like it's, I've got an appointment across town. That's a 15 yes. minute drive. Yes. Yeah. Now they've made that drive a thousand times. Yes. And maybe 
you know, a small percentage actually made it in 15 minutes. Right. But if lights are wrong, if there's an accident or, right. you know, anyone, or you're a little late, you lose your keys leaving, you know, you have to run back and pick up your cell phone, you yeah. know, that's an extra three minutes, five minutes. And then the people that are consistently late, they never build a margin for error. In. I mean, just, yeah. a simple, you know, that's one area. But they yeah, do it yeah, no, that's a that's a great that's a great area. I think that's a really great example because it's so routine. I mean, it's so commonplace. And 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 you know, I I, I as you were describing the situation, I was thinking about myself, and I was like, yeah, I'm one of those people. I I I, I build a really tight schedule, and I know why I build a really tight schedule. It's a habit from an, a previous era. Yeah. When I couldn't afford, right, to waste time. Like literally could not afford it, right? So I did not have that margin then. And then because I got acclimated to functioning that way, I've just retained that pattern, but I tweaked it, right? So what I do now is if I've got a tight schedule and then I'm trying to figure out whether I can squeeze in one more thing or not, I look at who the next person is. And if their friend or their issue is not dire, or whatever it is, if there's an emotional margin with that person, then I'll allow myself a little room for error. Now explain that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, let's say I've got a couple of things, you know, I, I wake up in the morning, I'm getting ready to go to the office and I see that I've got some emails. I'll scan them to see what they are. Right. And there's someone that's written something and it, you know, it could do with an immediate response, but it's not right. a simple response. And I would, I better sit down and I've got to respond to that, you know, and there are going to be days when I go, well, let me see, who's my next person. Who's my first person in the clinic this morning. Oh, it's some new person I've never seen before. This person is going to have to wait. I'm not going to reply to this email right now because I need to go get to the office a little early, set up everything a little early get the vibe right for some person who doesn't know me from Adam. They're coming in for the very first time. I want to receive them well. Right. I cannot be flustered. They're coming into my space. My space needs to be welcoming and calm and organized. They're going to, it's their first glance. They're going to be disoriented. I need to be orienting them. I need to be available, emotionally yeah. available to orient them. Uh, or, same situation, but I look at who my first person is and it's so-and-so, I've seen them a hundred times, they know the drill, da 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 I'm like, oh yeah, if I, if, if I literally walk into the building at the same moment that you do when we ride up the elevator, we'll be gossiping and laughing and chit-chatting. It won't be a big deal. I don't need to be there 10 minutes before for this person. Okay, I'll sit down, I'll write this person a reply. Yeah, and you know, you see the same thing uh, in business, but in production i mean the lesson you need to learn in in production they allow a certain amount of uh damage you know they like if they make a hundred uh sofas or a hundred yeah. lazy boy chairs yeah. they know there's going to be five to ten percent that have right. nicked here and right. there and rather than slit their throats and the boss come down and scream at the managers like sell them off we we built that in in fact i had a uh, <laughs> uh i was riding up a uh a chairlift with or a gondola i guess over at a uh, veil many years ago with this this father and son team that had uh 
a lot of fast food restaurants and Waffle Houses and McDonald's and uh, 7-Elevens. They had a lot of 7-Elevens. And I said, well, the thing about a 7-Eleven, I said, how about, you know, because I'd heard this before, you know, I've never, mm-hmm. I've never made that a priority. Never, that never appealed to me to like own 10 7-Elevens or something. They mm-hmm. said, and they were talking about, well, every 7-Eleven is worth about 10 grand uh, a, a month. You know, this is 20 years ago. It's so like, mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers now, but they said like, you know, if you want a hundred thousand, you need 10 of them, you know, and then in your portfolio, your package of things or your investment thing. And so I said, well, yeah, but what about the theft? You know, the man, how can you keep up? How do you do that? And he said, oh, we just build 10% theft in. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> we know he's going to. We know it's going to happen, right. Usually he's not going to be bold enough to steal more than 10%. <laughs> so so that brings me to the to the piece that I, you know, because you're the one that actually brought up the term, brought the term emotional intelligence into this. And I really appreciate that because it is an, a factor of emotional intelligence. Um, is that, you know, when you're solving a problem, right, it makes sense to go into crisis management mode, right? Emotionally, it makes sense. It's a problem. The problem with crisis management mode for us emotionally is that physiologically, it affects us in a way that narrows everything. Yeah. It narrows your field of vision. It narrows your options in terms of response. It it narrows the level of complexity of the responses that you feel are available to you. And so it's good to recognize that and go, oh, right, crisis management response is probably something I should think carefully about using in a problem-solving situation. Now, the reality is you're going to automatically go into crisis mode, right? Yeah. So the discipline has to be noticing when you're in crisis mode, stopping for half a second and going, is this necessary? Yeah. Backing, you develop it. You know, that's, that's another skill or a model or whatever to teach. You actually can give yourself permission to recognize I'm about to explode. And it could (laughs) be after your first explosion. It could be like, or or not even explode, but accelerate. Yeah, accelerate. And then you say you can you know, to know in your mind, have this worked out beforehand. I can throw this whole thing into reverse and back out of it. Right. You know, yeah. I can just, take I can take uh, you know, three, four, five deep breaths. But see, you know? I think what happens for people is that if they don't, if they if they're if they're used to accelerating, they sometimes again it's a matter of equating things incorrectly. They will equate that feeling of accelerating and that reflex of accelerating with commitment. Yeah. Oh, look at look at how fired up I am. I this is me being commitment, committed, right? This is me being passionate. Like they don't understand that sitting back and looking at things really long with the squinty eye look is also a passion. Right? Right. That there's an emotion there. You know, like you and I grew up with Westerns. So you know when the guy sits back kind of you know, tips his hat down a little bit so you can't see that he's watching everything and he's just watching everything. You're like, uh oh, here comes trouble. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> that idea that like when the guy sits back <laughs> and kind of goes all right. squinty eyed, that that's yeah. not that's not dispassionate in the sense that he's getting detached from the problem. 
he's going into a different kind of problem solving mode where he's like, yeah, I'm going to open up all my windows and take a good hard look at what's out here before I decide what to do. Because I'm going to do something. And once I do it, it's going to be very decisive and it's going to end the fight. So I want it all. I want all my data before I make my plan, you know, and then I'm going to make a really good plan and then I'm going to execute it flawlessly. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So this idea that, that, you know, what is, what, what kinds of behaviors actually are representative of commitment to the problem solving, having a broader picture in your mind of what your commitment actually looks like so that you then again, have freedom to vary the kind of emotions that you apply or, you know, and, and still consider yourself engaged. Right. And another aspect of this where you can learn, I mean, if you have to learn this thing about, you see, wisdom is not rushing into the burning building all right off the bat. <laughs> if there is, uh, you know, you show up and there may be a family member inside the burning building or whatever at least look around and see if there's a fireman somewhere (laughs) right they're equipped to actually run into the building you know at least get some facts about the light your odds take uh a pot even in a situation like that and so uh you learn uh you can be very young and learn this in fact kids with uh, out of control parents learn this when things start to get nasty back away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just don't engage. Yeah. And it yeah. could be because you just got burned so many times, but you don't have to get burned. You can just realize to recognize situations We should go around, keep your mind open and you can learn a lot just by seeing other people interact yes. in these situations and say, okay, I yeah. feel that. Yeah. yeah. I saw what's happening there. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're training yourself. You know, it's like yes. when someone, uh, uh, you know, they're looking for a fight. You know, the person yes. who's looking yes. for a fight is like, you can pretty much be confident if you don't engage them, don't say anything to them that they can jump on, you know, get right. a situation right. where there is nothing you can say that won't inflame them, you know? Yes, right, 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 right. If you just be quiet and back away, somebody else will come in right. and walk in and they'll do the, they'll explode the firebomb on them. You know what I'm saying? It right. doesn't have or, to be you. Right, or or somebody else will come in that's better suited right. to, to de-escalate the thing <clears throat> or the person left with the vacuum of not getting to do tit for tat with you because right that part of where they planned on getting energy to continue the conflict was pushing you and then you pushing back right so the pushback was part of what their body was expecting to get that was going to keep them going and so you really just pulling away just takes the energy out of it they actually don't have enough fuel on board to keep the whole thing on fire by themselves and so they gradually start deflating and you can just stand back and just watch them deflate. When they get deflated enough, you can offer them a cup of tea or something, you know, yeah, <laughs> and bring them down the rest of the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's uh, it's it's really interesting. And 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 I like what you said about you know, like look around and see how other people handle it. 
because that kind of brings us back to the models, like collect models, right. collect, collect, like look at how people who are successful are doing things and like eyeball that and go like, I like how they do that. I like how they do that. Collect those people's approach, understanding that those are models so that you are actually free later to synthesize, right? Take a piece of this and take a piece of that. I mean, that's, you know, none of this is new. I mean, certainly we, we both have seen very successful people do exactly all the things that we're describing. Right. But I think it, it's it's nice to kind of get academic about it and, and break it down, but component by component, so that, you know, if one of your listeners is trying to put it together from themselves, they can be like, oh, yeah, that piece, right? Okay, that's a good piece. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't associated that piece with this situation. Yeah. Well said, Kalpej. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.